I think for women who want to lead or who aspire to achieve, whether that's in a, a particular role or advancement in their career, my advice is take on those leadership opportunities early. Don't wait for a promotion or anything like that. Just take on those behaviors and values as early as you can, as often as you can, because you'll find that it builds your confidence and you'll naturally fall into those leadership roles as a result. So I, th I think that's the opportunity for women wanting to move into leadership and advance. Hello, and welcome to the new series of Realizing Your Potential. In this very special series, I have the pleasure of speaking to inspiring women about their leadership journeys. From politicians to project managers, executive coaches to presenters, these women have done some incredible things and make for fascinating conversations. We discuss the challenges they've faced, the lessons they've learned, and explore what organisations can do to drive greater gender equality. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about, sharing perspectives and ways of thinking that educate, empower, and celebrate. So join me as we dive into some great conversations with amazing people from all walks of life. I can't wait to see what we discover together. My next guest is Christina Rapetti, a senior project manager and truly inspirational leader at Accolade Wines. I've had the pleasure of working with Christina on a number of projects now, and I can't tell you how grateful I am to have her on the team. In this episode, Christina shares some powerful moments that shaped her personal and professional life and offers some practical advice on how we can make the workplace more inclusive. It's an excellent conversation, so let's get into it. Christina Rapetti, welcome to this very special Women in Leadership series. I'm so delighted to have you. The first question that we have is about telling us a little bit about um, you, your role, and some of the key milestones that got you where you are today. Great. Thanks, Anne. I'm really delighted to be here. So I'm a senior project manager in, in IT, and I'm currently managing the Modernizing Viticulture and Winemaking Project. It will see us replace our um, old systems with new modern industry solutions. And it's everything from the grape in the vineyard all the way through to sending bulk wine for bottling. So it's, it's a really exciting project and it's a dream uh, project for me. I started my career in marketing and advertising right out of university. And fairly soon I became involved in the technology that made marketing happen. And that's where my IT career started. But in my late twenties, I joined a Silicon Valley based firm working in the early days of the internet. And I, I suppose these days you would have looked at them as a digital agency, what we call a digital agency today. And working in the early dot-com bubble was a real thrill. It was exciting. And it's actually what brought me to Australia, where I've now been working and living for over 20 years. We lived in Melbourne for a while. And during that time, I was an independent project manager. And it was during that time that I actually contracted to really large organizations like News Limited and Telstra that I built my project management chops, where I did some really big projects, resurrected troubled projects, all that kind of thing. And then I took a career break. And I helped my partner build his new business, which is a pub in the McLaren Vale wine region here in South Australia. And during that experience, I became a small business owner and I managed up to 20 employees in a hospitality business. 
and learned all kinds of completely different things and proved to myself that I could do anything really at any time, which was great, built my confidence. And then in 2019, I went back out um, into my traditional career in IT. And I um, specifically wanted to work in the wine industry. You know, having a pub in McLarenville got me really interested in the wine industry. I got, I'm a bit engrossed in it, did a bit of wine study. So I was, it was so exciting when I got the job at Accolade, where I'm immersed in the viticulture and winemaking side of our business. I get to be an IT geek and a wine geek at the same time. So I'm really loving it. That's that's fabulous. I mean, IT is still fairly male dominated. I know that's changing a, a lot. But back when you commenced, was it more male dominated? And was it tough as a female? Did you face any challenges trying to make that transition? Yeah, I definitely did. I started my career early. So sometimes I was not only the only woman in the room, but I was the youngest person in the room. The traditional stereotypes that we talk about, whether I really had the competency to do the role, was I strong and tough enough? And on the other side, she's too aggressive. She speaks out too much. Often I found myself in tough situations, either with the biases and stereotypes that influenced my male colleagues willingness to work with me and the way that they approached me. And for the most part, I was really lucky to have managers and mentors who supported me through most of those situations. And you're right, you don't see them today as much as you saw them 10 or 15 years ago. Things have changed a lot. And I certainly don't see much of that in Accolade. I find Accolade an incredibly empowering place to work. That's lovely. You briefly touched on it in that answer about some of the mentors or champions you've had along the way. What did they teach you? One mentor that really comes to mind is a gentleman by the name of Stephen Rue. Stephen's currently the CEO of NBN. And when I was working at News Limited, running a very challenged transformation program in advertising um, sales, Stephen was the chief financial officer at News at the time being heard, being taken seriously, and that sort of thing. And the politics in that organization were really challenging. What Stephen helped me do is read the politics and understand what to worry about and what not to worry about. He also removed blockers for me and, and backed me when others were really not wanting to support me or allow me to progress with some really innovative, different ideas that challenged the way that people traditionally did things. It was a very male dominated environment, even though there were some fantastic women leaders um, in advertising at News at that time, when I sat in the boardroom and reported to my steering committee, I was the only woman in the room. He's somebody that I know I can reach out to anytime. I think early on in my career, I was shy about reaching out to people. But one of the things I've learned is that once people have reached a leadership level, they're actually the people who are really willing to help. They're the ones that are ready to be champions, to mentor people. So don't be shy about reaching out to those people. I have to say, since my time in Accolade, Barbara Turner, who I work with really closely, she's taught me a huge amount and helped me come up to speed so quickly in the viticulture and winemaking space. And I wouldn't be able to be doing the role I'm doing now if I hadn't had her supporting me and championing me and helping me get 
absorbed into the space. And of course, I've had both you and Sandy Mayo as great champions. As I mentioned to you before, I find Accolade an incredibly empowering place. I find support and championship and mentors everywhere I look in the leadership team. And I think it's great. What do you enjoy most about being a leader? I love taking on challenges. And as I've gotten more experience, it's the ability to show others their potential or the art of what's possible. So not just your individual potential, but our collective potential in terms of what we can make happen. I think it's why I love big, scary projects that are going to be transformative because they make something new happen. That's what I enjoy about leadership in general. And then in my particular role in in IT, it's demystifying technology and making it more approachable to people so that people can empower themselves to solve problems. It's a lot of what we've been doing with the projects like the Innovation NPD Pipeline, where we just showed a bunch of marketers and product people how to use some technology And now they've totally embraced it. They manage it themselves. It's great. So yeah, I think that's what I like about it the most is helping people see the potential of what's possible. And you've talked about the challenges you've faced in your career, but what has been the biggest challenge and what has helped you get through? Yeah, I've talked about those stereotypes that you get hit with, particularly early on in my career. So I think it is about backing yourself. It is about not doubting your abilities or questioning your achievements. It's allowing your actions, your behavior, your performance, your deliverables to speak for themselves. You'll find it doesn't take long if you approach it that way. I have fallen into that trap where if I didn't feel like I was being heard, I probably tried a bit too hard and I've learned to let go of those insecurities and doubts and fears and just allow my work to speak for itself. I think also something that I would encourage people to do is don't think too much about what role you're in or what level you're at demonstrate leadership no matter what it helps you build confidence in yourself when you just do it and then then as a result of that it removes some of the biases and stereotypes that exist i think one of the best things when you encourage leadership at every level you remove the bias associated with leadership only belonging to let's say senior managers and a a side benefit of that is that it removes bias in general Mm. So encouraging that in everyone results in not just that level bias, but the bias and stereotypes around women. So I I think that's what's most important and probably the only thing that held me back from time to time. What is the biggest challenge for women in leadership positions, do you think? I guess depending on where you are in your career and your life, the challenges that affect all women, particularly, let's say, around family balance or tough choices and trade-offs. That old adage, you can have it all, but not all at once. And I think while more men are making those choices to play a larger role in the household and be the stay-at-home dad or culture's changing and roles are shifting and all those things are happening in our world, it's still true to say that women have to make more of those tough choices than men do. And so regardless of what level you're at, if you're a leader and you're building a career or you're passionate about your work or there's tough choices that often have to be made. And so I think that probably still is a big part of the challenge for women leaders. Exactly. I think too, though, is we put a lot of expectations on ourselves around what you believe you should be doing versus what others think you should be doing. 
And also in a certain way, we're still trying to overcome either the stereotype or the idea that we're not doing enough. We have to be more focused and more diligent so that our competencies don't get questioned. We have to be more mindful so that our leadership style doesn't get questioned. And that is part of the challenge. Whether we put that pressure on ourselves or whether that pressure is innate within the environment we work, that extra pressure we put on ourselves, that exists. Exactly. So on the flip side of that, what are the opportunities for women in leadership? I think for women who want to lead or who aspire to achieve, whether that's in a a particular role or advancement in their career, my advice is take on those leadership opportunities early. Don't wait for a promotion or anything like that. Just take on those behaviors and values as early as you can, as often as you can, because you'll find that it builds your confidence and you'll naturally fall into those leadership roles as a result. And I think for women already in leadership, taking the opportunity to role model, to share these experiences, I think this podcast is fantastic. These are really authentic, vulnerable conversations that haven't always been the way that people have talked about women leadership. You know, there seems to be a lot talked about the statistics, right? How many women are in the boardroom or a quality of pay. And these are really important. Don't get me wrong. I think there's a lot more meritocracy in the world than there used to be, but I think it's important to create these conversations and We're incredibly fortunate. I think in Accolade, we're particularly fortunate with the culture that's been established over the last 18 months or so. When I joined the organization compared to where the organization is today, it's almost like a 360 degree turn in corporate culture, right? Mm -hmm. And it's been amazing. I've had the opportunity to watch that. And maybe because I had only just joined the organization, I saw it more poignantly than maybe other people would have. But it's been pretty powerful to me anyway. Well, we do recognize that there's lots of places in the world where the stereotypes and barriers that we've broken are still very solidly in place. And so if we can celebrate the fact that we've broken those barriers and mostly gotten rid of those stereotypes, maybe we can help create the conversation that makes that happen somewhere else. I 100% agree with you. And Robert and I wrote about it. The statistics are important and we do need to keep an eye on them. But the more we open up the conversation and talk about these issues and create that culture, those numbers will eventually come. It's a little bit like the work will speak for itself. For me, the importance of the conversation as well is that it's very easy for someone like myself who I've got to a certain point in my career to forget what it was like to be an early leader, be it female or male or whichever gender you identify with, I forget what it was like to be a young mum working full time and having care. So I think it's a really great way to to continually remind ourselves that, yeah, these issues still do exist for people. Share your story Mm. because that's what role modeling is about. It's amazing how those small deeds of sharing your story or building somebody's confidence can make a big difference for somebody. Mm. Yeah. Or just making people also understand that you've been through the same thing. So it's fine. It's completely normal to feel like you don't have it all together on many days. Do you see gender stereotypes today and how do you manage them? There's a stereotype that women are kindler, gentler, softer spoken, not as assertive, that sort of thing. I think some of those stereotypes do still exist where women can be called aggressive 
instead of assertive or emotional instead of passionate. And I think it's really important for particularly our male colleagues to, to stop and ask themselves when they get those thoughts in their minds. If she was a man, would I be questioning her behavior? Would I be challenging that? I think another stereotype that still exists is what roles are more appropriate for men and women. And those perceptions exist whether we like it or not. I think women even naturally gravitate to the roles and the careers where they might feel more comfortable. So we talked about there's lots of women in marketing and advertising. It's not that there aren't great men in those roles as well versus let's say IT that's been traditionally male and whether girls coming up choose a path or look for a career where they feel it aligns to them or will make them feel more comfortable versus going into to science, technology, and engineering, because those stereotypes about what career path to choose and where you'll be more comfortable exist. I don't think we can shy away from the fact that those stereotypes still exist. No, exactly. Do you think there's still taboo subjects surrounding women in leadership? And what do you think we struggle to talk about? The whole family balancing, I don't think is taboo anymore. I think some people still keep those challenges to themselves. I think really transparent policies for men and women to be able to take those breaks for family are really important. I think there's been huge movement on that. I actually find, and, and this is probably based on my own personal experience and maybe the experience of some of my colleagues, and this is very unique to women, but women's health issues. So women's health issues have always been taboo in general conversation. But then when you have to bring those challenges and issues into your work life and share your health issue with a boss that may or may not relate, depending on their gender, can be really scary. And I can speak from my own experience where over a two year period of time, I had a cancer that's not considered a woman's cancer. I had bowel cancer. I had a massive endometriosis surgery and I went into instant menopause. And so that was very challenging for my health and for my whole mindset. I have a lot of women colleagues who, whether it's a cancer scare, whether it's menopause, whether it's pregnancy symptoms, I think that culture in general is like, oh, we don't really talk about that stuff. But through my own experience, I actually got really vocal about these things to help other people, to educate people and to get people feeling more comfortable, particularly about my bowel cancer diagnosis, because women often get misdiagnosed for mm. bowel cancer because of other you know, issues. But I was able to share with a lot of women friends and a lot of women colleagues, something they didn't know about their own health that they needed to be mindful of. So I think sometimes we just got to let go of that stuff. And like we've been talking about creating those authentic conversations that help people feel supported around subjects that can be awkward. If you could provide others with advice on how best to support women in the workplace, what would you say? Regardless of your, your gender, pay attention to how women are treated in your organization and in your team. Don't tolerate bullying and dismissiveness. Don't tolerate idle chatter and language. And if you see a woman, and in particular a younger woman, struggling with confidence or inclusion, step in and back her up. You'd be surprised how one small thing can make such a difference. I can count probably three or four really poignant moments in my career where somebody literally stepped in and backed me up. 
It will build their confidence in somebody's perception of themselves. And it also keeps the team thinking the way the team needs to be thinking and making sure that there isn't any of that idle chatter or dismissiveness. So I think it's incredibly important for people to be aware and mindful of that. If we change one thing, what would make the biggest difference to gender equality and leadership, do you think? Mindset. I think the mindset where gender isn't part of the question or the conversation anymore, the mindset around perceived roles and where people's strengths lie or don't lie based on gender and determining your view on somebody's ability to succeed in a role based on some of those preconceived ideas. When you find yourself falling into that trap, remind yourself, you know, that idea of imposter syndrome, it's a label that gets applied to women a lot where we fall into this trap of doubting ourselves and doubting our achievements. But there's this great article from the Harvard Business Review that actually debunks that a bit and says, but why did that happen? Mm. Oh, it happened because women didn't have the same role models coming up. Men tend to come up and any fears or concerns they have about their capabilities are reaffirmed really quickly. Women had the opposite. So as we were coming up, our style was challenged. Our competency was challenged. We were asked to prove ourselves. So if we can change those mindsets, role model well, and keep these conversations going, I think that's the biggest thing we can do mm. um, because just creating the conversation breaks the barrier, removes the bias and gets people thinking. Mm. What can organizations do to drive and support the change authentically? I think the conversations we're creating are great. I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown. I talk about Brene a lot. And I think that that whole recognition that vulnerability is courage and strength, not weakness, and creating these kinds of really open conversations are incredibly powerful. 10 years ago, the corporate world would have thought this was a lot of mumbo jumbo, soft, squishy waste of time. I could not disagree more. These kinds of conversations are powerful and I think they're authentic and they resonate with people. People are speaking their truth. What can be more authentic than that? Exactly. And then finally, what advice would you give to your younger self? Don't let your career define who you are. I joined a Fortune 500 company at the age of 22 right out of university and my self-worth and my identity was so tied to my job and my career for a long time. And I woke up in my 30s a bit lost, actually. I kind of flummoxed. And I think a lot of it was just because my whole identity was wrapped up in my job and my career. And that was the beginning of my shifting priorities to allow people to see a different side of myself, to allow myself to be open to other opportunities where I had probably closed myself off to those things. And that was just the beginning of a journey that's taken me a long while to, to get to where I have a purpose in my life that is much broader than my job. And, and I think taking a career break probably helped with that. But the earlier you can recognize your worth and identity beyond your, your job and create balance in your, your life is incredibly important. We've talked about wellness and how much health adds to your effectiveness and a good night's sleep and a bit of exercise is pretty powerful. I wish I'd learned that earlier and not, yeah, had my whole self-worth and identity wrapped up in my career for a good 15 years. <laughs> so anyway, I don't regret that. And I try to look back on that with what it allowed me to achieve, but I'm certainly a lot happier, grounded, balanced person now than I was then. Christina, thank you so much. It's just been such a joy to talk to you 
to hear your story and just thank you for being so supportive of the work that we're doing. It's great to have you here in, in the business. Oh, thanks so much. Like I said, I love being here. I find it such an empowering place. I'm working on my dream project. Preparing for this conversation was really valuable time spent for me as well because it gave me some time to reflect. And that was quite valuable for me as well. And I'm taking a few lessons actually from that self-reflection away with me this week. So thanks for that. What a wonderful conversation with Christina. I have personally taken so much away from our discussion. As I was reflecting, I think the one lesson that stays with me is back yourself. Let go of insecurities, doubting your abilities or questioning your achievements. Let your actions, performance and deliverables do the talking. But I'd love to know what did you take away? You can respond by leaving a review or if you're listening on Spotify, you can answer via the Q&A section in the app. If you found this conversation to be as helpful and inspiring as I did, please remember to share it with friends and colleagues. You just never know who else it might positively impact. Next week, I'll be speaking with Karis Batho, who shares her perspective as a woman at the very beginning of her career. As always, links and resources can be found in the show notes. Until then, thanks for listening and take care.